Yo, but check one, two, one, two. Hot cut. Uh. I'm from the place where hardcore is This is the link up. This is the link up. This is the link up. Views from the staff to the world that we back. This is the link up. This is the link up. This is the link up. From the staff, tell the world that we back Ladies and gentlemen, grab a drink, let's get settled in Here's another dose of some audio medicine Fresh sports reports, pure adrenaline We do it for the love of the game, not the Benjamins My check, one, two, one, two Yo The link up Hey, we're here with another episode of the Staff Podcast. We've got a special guest with us, Joachim BP. Thank you, thank you. How are you doing, my guy? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's finally good to be here. Yeah, we decided to get a, a Liverpool supporter this time, um, you know, to give us a balanced view on how they've been doing. And coincidentally, they had a, a tentative weekend, you know, it was quite difficult. I mean, I'm not in the place to be unbearable today, <laughs> but... Uh, I can tell you, look, things are going uh, the way they should be. I mean, in this moment in time, uh, results might not be going our way. Injuries might not be going our way, but uh, still 38 games in a season. So let's hold off on uh, you guys celebrating just yet. Okay, well, we'll get back to uh, that later. Some big Virgil news as well. And obviously, I've got Lita with me. Um, and we without Moipi again. Hopefully, we'll get him back on soon. But Lita, how are you doing? I'm good, Brian. I'm good. Um, not the, the greatest weekend for me. I mean, at least Chiefs uh, pulled something out of the bag for us. Gavin Hunt's first game. But overall, it was a right weekend. I rested. Very well rested. Um, how, was you? how are you, man? How was your weekend? I'm good. You know, uh, Chelsea had a couple of, of more howlers. So, I can't complain. United, back to, to winning habits. One of the best goals you'll see of the season, a Bruno <laughs> finish. <laughs> so I can't really complain. But we want to start off with you, man. You are what a coach. Uh, former a coach. Former coach, an attorney. Uh, well, uh, changing professions, changing yes, profession. but still, still in the legal sphere, yes. And uh, what, do you, what do they call themselves? A travel enthusiast? Uh, I think Wanderlust is the best <laughs> way yes, to, yes, to yes. describe it. Uh, I see those Instagram <laughs> young ladies. Um, Hashtag going places. But I want to talk about your, your, your travels. And I've always been fascinated by certain fan cultures, especially in South America. Um, can you just expound on where you were in Brazil, um, what you were doing there? what you thought was fascinating in terms of their football and the passion that they mm. support their football clubs with? Well, I mean, uh, I think it was towards the end of my uh, studies at the University of Pretoria, and I just decided, you know what, I need time to myself. Um, found a non-profit organization in Brazil or more worldwide organization called ISEC, and they run programs where you can go to third world countries, teach English, do, you know, physical work where you can empower communities and, and individuals. And I decided, look, I mean, what better way to to broaden your horizons by and 
actually immersing yourself in a different culture by by actually working there and that's what i ended up doing and um found myself in uh, itajuba in the state of minas gerais and um yeah man it was a wonderful time but more to the point of the football culture i mean we didn't they didn't really have like a big you know well-known club in the area or anything like that but it's either your flamengo or nothing at all you know it's it's one of those things you know it's you have to show your loyalty in the best way possible you walk in the favela you see the flags you see the shirts you see you see the memorabilia you know it's it's kind of like everywhere in your face so it's very hard to to not be enveloped you know in in the passion uh, that the people share as well you know so it was it was pretty good it was pretty good and i mean obviously that all that came a bit later in your life but if if i'm sure a lot of people won't know this but you actually coached us in rugby in high school <laughs> way back before you 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 took off and then went overseas um i mean just explain just obviously your your just a bit of background on you and how you became or how you decided to to to, to coach uh start taking up rugby and, and as a coaching uh decision of particularly after straight after school actually i mean look we we we, we all grew up uh in or had the privilege of going to to an all boys school uh in boys high, pretoria boys high and uh I mean, the one mantra that stays true or that I've carried, you know, through to till today is that, you know what, what best way to influence someone's life by, you know, teaching them something new, you know. And I mean, I was pretty privileged in the fact that I had pretty good coaches uh, growing up there. You know, I never really knew the rules about rugby. I mean, you get there's a grade eight. It's cricket it's rugby it's water polo i mean what are you gonna choose you know you choose the mm, most mm. popular sport you know and i ended up choosing rugby and um having the coaches that i had playing for the bulls at under 14 under 15 under 16 level and also under 18 level you know it, it kind of like you know grooms in you this 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 part of you that you don't know about you know this eye for detail you know this eye for you know, giving motivational speeches, you know, in motivating people, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, we, we all know sports is a very, you know, result orientated, you know, industry, but there's another side to it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why we can sit here and, you know, talk like we are friends, you know. And it's because of that, you know, that you can take an interest in someone and build and develop them. So, so that was part of the reason why I also said, you know what, why not give back to the sport that gave so much to me? you know yeah i mean as you mentioned there about the motivational speeches i remember one of the games down at gray bloom and you gave this like a moving speech and i think i think his name was dante scored a try running down the wing and everyone was like yeah you know <laughs> we might do it and what preceded was the exact opposite i think they had like a former first team player on the wing it was just yeah not a great evening <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 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 part of the the trials and tribulations you know um if if i look at it um you know when you especially when you're playing in a lower lower division team you know in a big school where there's a thousand five hundred boys you know no one really thinks that they're going to give the attention to 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 the less deserving if we can put it that way you know so so for me with all the experience that i had you know having top coaches at such a top you know level you know getting trained at loftus farsfeld like let me give back you know i want to see you make the first team and there were a couple of people that 
could say, look, we did see, you know, the, the, the finesse that you brought, you know, and the skills that you taught us. So it, it's, it's, it's uplifting to, to hear people's stories as well. So I just want to know, how did then, obviously you, you, you speak of, you know, um, the, your passion of, of, of motivating people and, and, and trying to get the best out of people. So how do, they, how do we then go from, from being that, particularly at a young age, and then the decision you took, you know, of your studies and, 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 the, and the subject and the career path that you chose in law? How would you, how did you explain, how do you explain sort of the, the transition from being the person that you are into and then into the decision that you, you made in the career? Look, I've always been uh, a talker, you know, so I don't think it's much of a transition to say that, you know, going from, obviously, yes, from, from sports and outdoor activity to, to being indoors in the courtroom, you know, in an office, nine to five, suit and tie. But, you know, to be an orator, you know, to, to tell a story, you know, it, it's, it's something that I enjoy doing, you know. So if um, I'm capable of doing it on the field, why not in the courtroom as well, you know, so that, that was my logic at the time, you know. So you bring some finesse to the courtroom as well. I definitely <laughs> bring finesse to, to the courtroom, but we always stick to the facts, that was, that's what we say. Sure, yeah. okay, okay, I get you. So you also, you also mentioned a bit of, 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 of tr another transition in your, in your life in terms of career again uh, where you you saw somewhat veering off obviously don't 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 give us a detailed of, of what your, your grand plan is but just an idea of where you're thinking of, of of just shifting towards i think um the reality of life is that you know what industries are you know driven by how we can make money you know we see with a lot of decisions that football clubs like arsenal you know made by furlough like firing ganosaurus putting them mm. on furlough you know it's money-based decisions you know so i think all in all um all, one also has to look at that from a realistic point of view you know um but there comes a point where you say okay like i've experienced this you know i was a coach you know how can i put the two together you know so all things being equal i think i can call myself a humanitarian you know so in the grand scheme of things if i can enjoying the two i think that will be the perfect marriage yeah uh, yeah and another sort of adventure of yours was doing the were you doing your postgrad in netherlands yeah i was i was lucky enough to to get accepted yeah um so you can tell us about sort of that experience of i don't know the the culture of maybe attending university in south africa and i mean I, i'm sure the workload was a lot more intense but just as well in the sporting sense as well just to add a little context for the podcast but just the culture there and how you found it okay um where do i start where do i start um i guess look one can start you know at the beginning but when we talk about you know all things sports related uh i would say that the way that you know south africa has set up not only its schooling culture you know but from varsity as well is so completely different to to europe you know whereas you know when we're in we're in primary school we're in high school we're in tertiary we have these teams and clubs around us that we can automatically join that are part of you know the institution itself whereas in europe or i can speak specifically for you know the university of utrecht where i attended i mean you had to go join a club you know or you know you get some mates and say okay let's go you know play some footy on a 
Sunday afternoon and that's how it was you know so for me that was you know the biggest culture shock because that is an I mean an easy way of making friends you know you get to your your undergrad and okay I don't really know anyone I'm from out of town a different province what am I good at I enjoy football what do I do I go join you know maybe an old boys club that has a soccer team you know it's it's an easy transition you know there's ways of you know doing it whereas in Europe it's kind of like Esh, let me make you know friends with my roommate you know that's the only way you know to kind of like get involved or immerse yourself in that culture you know and I was just lucky that I had uh, a roommate who was just as passionate about football as I was you know I mean coincidence aside I mean we shared a birthday but you know that love for sports is kind of like what brought us together you know yeah that's 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 very interesting and and obviously with that friend you share the same passion for football you mentioned obviously you didn't get a chance to go see any of the Eredivisie matches because you were on a student budget at that time (laughs) so (laughs) so uh, what did you guys do how did you feed your 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 passion for for football i mean look we we had a, a sunday team where we literally made a facebook group um got as many people in the block of flats that we were staying in at the time veranda if i can remember and uh, we said sunday at this time at this place and i think we started you know five people in all you know but i mean a month in and we had like two 11 aside teams going at each other every other sunday you know so that was like an achievement in its own but it's also like a testament to sport is that like you know i'm a south african you know he's albanian half albanian half italian you know two different spectrums but that connection you know through sports so and that's how we we kept busy you know yeah and before we transition to our next topic i just want to ask do you ever take a trip down to amsterdam red light red light district I mean, the only red light district I know is uh, AX Amsterdam, you know, uh, the red and white, the red and white, that's, that's all I know. Uh, anything else, uh, I can't, uh, oh I beat the fifth. I Brian, you cannot admit that here on this podcast. He went sightseeing, to say that, he went sightseeing. But obviously, I would like to assume the next topic would, would, would move to is your, your passion for that other Merseyside club. Um, Called Liverpool, yeah, the the champions, the current Premier League champions, um, six-time Champions League champions, currently probably one of the best coaches at the moment in the world football, in your midst. I mean, Um, Brian might not agree with me, but... Brian cannot say anything about coaches, please. (laughs) He cannot say a single thing as a United fan. But obviously, you know, you you guys are on the top of the world at the moment. I mean, after a lot of years of pain, um, I'm sure for you particularly. Yeah, good 30 I mean, 2006, 2006 was a very long time. And you, yeah. Torres was 2008-9, a very long time ago. So it was quite a while um, since you guys, you know, were tasted bragging rights. I would like to put Look, that. If, <laughs> if anything, I would like to uh, live my life in the present, you know. Okay. And, uh, okay. and I'm still enjoying the euphoria, you know, of, uh, of seeing, you know, Jordan Henderson shuffle his uh, way about around the stage, lifting mm. the, the Premier League trophy. So we're going to stay there for now. You know, we can go into depth about like uh, Gillette and getting <laughs> okay. uh, administrated, you know, but let's stay in the present. All right. Yeah. So just as, as in the present, obviously Champions League uh, two years ago, you did that. You won that um, against all the uh, against all the odds after losing against Madrid the year before, and then going yeah. to Tottenham. But then to win the big one last year, how did you? Obviously, it was a long time coming, and it also 
came quite quickly within the season. I've been around December. You already knew that we're most likely going to be champions. So how how was that whole experience of knowing that flip in your lifetime you're going to be Premier League champions? Look, I can't say that I knew. You know, I don't think any Liverpool supporter was like we knew we we're going to win the title. Yes, we had it in the back of our head, but we've had you know so many near moments. You know that it it hurt. You know, so you you're rather apprehensive to kind of like celebrate too early. I mean, we had Rafa Benitez 0405, if I'm not mistaken, where we finished second, you know. And uh, I think we just needed to beat Arsenal. And Ashevan ended up scoring four goals that day. Uh, you look to Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, 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 it was, if I'm not mistaken. Then we still had Brendan Rodgers and uh, the whole slip and uh, Crystal Palace. And look, so I think every Liverpool supporter is kind of like, you know what, um, take each game as it comes you know when the season is done the season is done but till then you know what we're not going to openly celebrate and be unruly but uh, I mean look I've got a younger brother we live together so I think he experienced it more than anyone else where you know I'm jumping up and down already declaring it so for the public not so much but in private spaces definitely definitely yeah I mean I hate to admit, but you, you, you guys did do a madness, you know, in those two years. And, you know, winning your first league title in, what, 30 years. It's pretty impressive. And I, I, I watched this video on the YouTube um, Liverpool channel that I, I quite like. I think it was like We Are Champions, where they do a sort of timeline of all the close. Yeah. Yeah, they had Rafa, they had Brendan, and then they had Klopp, who was like... Yeah, we were appointing Klopp now, and then you achieved your dream. But now that's over and done with, <laughs> and a new season has started. And I look at Liverpool right now, and I think, without touching on what happened this weekend yet, I thought you guys looked a bit... Actually, I thought you guys looked a bit short before those, obviously, two transfers, yeah. and then I yeah. was like, hmm maybe you still will be better but now it looks a bit damaging what did you th- what are your thoughts coming to the season do you think you had a realistic chance of defending the title i mean um you guys did make me you know put five fingers on the bible and be honest and tell the truth at all times so i will be honest and say look coming into this season i was a bit tentative uh in the sense that look i knew we needed to get you know fresh faces in competition for places you know you can't uh go two seasons 90 points you know um be that competitive and not want to freshen things up you know we we had the departure of lalana we had the departure of lovren as well and you know going into this transfer window i thought we would have actually made sure that we filled all the spots that needed to be filled you know so when Jurgen Klopp you know came out and said look in this moment we we are fine we are, we're good we happy with the signing of uh, Thiago and uh, Diogo Jota. Um, I still thought that we were a bit short, you know, even if we, you know, maybe got a a young centre back that was up and coming and emerging, you know, I think it would have, you know, gone a long way, you know, but we all know how Klopp likes to set up his teams or even the transfers he looks for are, you know, very versatile players that can play in more than one position for for Fabinho to be able to play as, you know, um, centre defensive midfielder, to be able to play centre back as well, you know, to Genie being, you know, used as a centre back as well. I think two years ago against 
Brighton, you know, to Jordan Henderson in the Club World Champs, you know. Mm. It's just a testament to, to the squad and how, you know, Klopp likes to use his players, you know. So, I just, just two things I want to say. I've got this little bit of a problem with Liverpool fans, particularly now that you are the champions and the bee's knees of, of the Premier League. I don't, I, and I think you touched on it earlier, but the fact that because you guys have come so close so many times, I think now you guys always have this tentativeness about you. And obviously, I think also on the back of, of the, the, the tunes that you get from other fans, of, ah, oh, Liverpool fans, quote, it's our, year, it's our year this year, or our year next year, whatever. So I think now Liverpool fans have this fear of, ah, we don't want to say we're the best and own the tag of, you know, we are going <laughs> to thrash everyone, we're going to beat everyone. You always, ah, oh, we're not sure, we'll see. If, if our front three fire, maybe we'll, we never know if we can keep our... And, and I, it, it annoys me because you guys are, have you, I mean, 97, 99 points on consecutive seasons is no mean feat. I mean, it's, it's a proper, proper achievement. So Granted. you need to own it. Liverpool fans need to own it that you came into the season and you thought, fuck it, we're going to retain it. We're going to be the first Premier League team to retain it since Pep and the first time in a while since United. Uh, or, or, you know, so anyway, and then the second part. As you say, you know, the season was very important in terms of squad depth, particularly in the yeah. new normal with, yeah. with the packed schedule that's around. How, I mean, we always knew that injuries, and I said this to you, and I tweeted this to you, <laughs> and you first said, ah, don't focus on the negative, but it was always going to happen where it's impossible to keep your, your, your squad fit. So with Jota and, um, and what's his name, added, Thiago added in the last week yes, or so, yes. I'm sure that made you a bit more comfortable but also in in, 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 in like in, in reverse of that, like was that all that you needed? I mean, Matip, you left Lovren left and you didn't get yes, another centre yes, back. Yes. And Matip, Van Dijk, Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez. And then let's hope Fabinho, okay, Fabinho did a good job against Chelsea, but will he be able to to do that for three, four, five games in a row? I don't think so. I don't think so. I especially with you know injury a player being injury prone you know you look at uh, the records of Matip and Joe Gomez you know they haven't always been you know the most reliable in terms of player dur durability but if we look at Joe Gomez for instance his injuries have been you know more of a serious nature he's been out for four or five months at a time and whereas with Matip it's been more niggling injuries that have kind of like continuously over the course of a season kept him out you know so the fear was always there that look if Van Dijk did get injured we are literally one injury away from playing you know Billy Kumute and Sefane Berg you know but uh, all things being equal look we we tend to believe you know we tend to be more optimistic you know we 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 close. We, we keep the mantra. You know, you'll never walk alone. Close to to one's heart. So, look, I think we've got enough players to do the job. You know, uh, squad depth. It tends to be an issue. Enough enough to do, like again to do a double. Of course. A repeat. Of course. Okay, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep you to this. Look, we've got. A, I think you're going to finish got an, third. We've but got an audio. <laughs> we've got an audio to prove it at the end of the season. So you can keep me to it. You can definitely keep me to it. Okay, yeah. But as you mentioned, your, your, your mantra will never walk alone. I think Liverpool fans, however, do take this too seriously. And I'm referring to the Pickford in incident now. And just allow, allow me to make my case. Okay. So Jordan Pickford, right? Terrible tackle. I set up myself. 
I'm with the Liverpool fans on that terrible tackle. Oh, yeah, fuck, fuck Pickford. He's shit. Blah, blah, blah. And then over the days, it's just like, you'd swear it's the first ACL <laughs> in football. <laughs> James Pierce is out here on every platform talking, oh, Pickford should be banned. Another guy on Sky Sports was what's saying, Pickford should be banned until Virgil comes back. That is one of the most stupid things I've ever seen. But okay. Liverpool do have the tendency to be a bit of moaners, I think, with this. And sometimes shit happens. And you've got to take your L. It just, it's, that's just how it is sometimes. Look, I think, I think you're putting it a bit lightly. You know? I, I just think sometimes as, as fans of teams in the Premier League, you know, we shouldn't be so tribalistic as to say, Liverpool are, you know, doing this, you know, or Arsenal are doing that, you know, when, when we look at a player whose lifespan is maybe four, five years, six years, you know, at best, you know, their, their commodity is their legs, you know, teams should be saying, okay, look, we've seen Aaron Ramsey's, you know, injuries, you know, we've seen, you know, what happened now recently with Virgil van Dijk, you know, there needs to be a stance that's taken on players that are, how can I put it, repeat offenders, in that they show a propensity for all these dangerous tackles. I mean, and that's, that's my point. With I mean, injuries will always be a part and parcel of the sport, you know, but actively, you know, trying to harm a player, you know, you can never know what someone's intention is, but if a player is lunging at your knees, you know, your ankles, you know, I mean, you break your leg, you don't come back the same player that you were. Yes, but I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with you. But my point is that, as you mentioned with Ramsey and Eduardo and these players who get career-threatening injuries, it's not always the player's intention to do harm to them. So I do agree that with Pickford, there should be a ban. I agree with that because it's, it's completely ridiculous that he's just going to play the next game. But, you know, these things, they happen. And I don't think we should make such a big deal out of it. And to, if you want to make a deal out of, yes, Pickford should be, yeah, yeah. Um, then that's fine. But other than that, I feel, you know, it's unlucky. It's really unlucky. And, and to go a step further, and how big of a deal they're making of this. David Kutu who was the VAR guy. It took him off all games this weekend coming up. Not even doing VAR. He's, I think he's sitting fourth official in the game. So f and the first time this whole season that he's been sitting out. So obviously this has gone all the way to the top at, at the FA and, and, and the referees, uh, found, uh, whatever, federation that, you know, hey, you, you fucked up. Because apparently he <laughs> forgot the rule that you are actually, despite it being offside, the fact that it was dangerous tackle and dangerous play endangering the opponent, it's still supposed to be a red card. And the fact that they were just like, ooh, not offside, okay, play on. And forgot about Virgil. And, you know, the fact that Virgil still walked up and, and you know, walked himself off kind of gave everyone, a, okay, it was not a bad thing until everyone saw the replay. And then we saw the hyperextension of, 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 of Virgil's knee. And it's unfortunate. And the thing is, Flip, I saw Danny Murphy was saying he's the best center back ever. And this is a shame to the game. <laughs> and I'm mean, like, I mean, guys, as you say, like, it's not the first ACL more legends or bigger legends have had have had bigger or worse injuries you know and, and I understand Virgil it's, cr it's unfortunate that you know he's the kingpin at Liverpool and if they if without him and without Alisson for a few more games you know it's problematic and it's gonna somehow dictate where the Premier League is gonna go as you said it's 38 game season we only in flipping the first month or the first five games I think so it's definitely not gonna 
seal the deal, okay, Liverpool will win or will win the league with or without Virgil. But, I mean, people must just relax, man. It's, 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 it's ACL, it's unfortunate for him, but it is what it is. And it's it obvious happened. that it's, that it would gain this media attention because it's Virgil and Liverpool. That's obvious, but, and that if it was Tyrone Mings, for example, I don't think it would be this much of a big deal. It would be a big, it would be a deal, but not this much of a big deal. But moving on from that, actually, firstly, do you have anything to say about that? Look, I was just going to say it this way, that, you know what, no, no person is not going to try and protect, you know, their investment, you know, their interest, you know. So, so when I say that, you know what, Premier League fans and teams tend to be tribalistic, I mean that, you know what, why not band together, you know, reach, you know, a consensus in amongst the teams, you know, have this unity to say, look, Going forward, how do we best protect, you know, our interests, our investment, our players, you know, so that we can get to enjoy them, you know, for the duration of the season? I mean, flying into tackles, you know, doesn't make a game less competitive. You can still be competitive, stay on your feet, challenge for the ball fairly, but if I'm lunging into your knee, you've also got kids to feed, man. But as, as, as you mentioned we should band together but i really don't expect that from let's say carlo i don't expect carlo to be you know jordan should be sent off for blah 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 and that's what my whole thing about what they've shown now with covid and football is that they're all out for their own interests i think most of these clubs secretly don't care they're like great I'm sorry for Virgil, I'll <laughs> say it again. But football clubs, I'm sure, are just, you know, it's a, oh, it's a window for them. No, definitely. Definitely. I mean, look, for them, it will definitely, you know, level the playing field. You know, I mean, a lot has been said about Virgil van, van Dijk being, you know, one of the best, you know, Premier League centre-backs, you know, and how he's transformed that Liverpool defence, you know, from, from being so porous and leaking goals to kind of like, you know, being so, you know... Uh, fortified you know and 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 strong at the back so i think yes like you were saying you know for them look they don't care for them it like levels the playing field yes look he was playing when we lost you know 7-2 to aston villa but you know going throughout the rest of the season you know what does that mean for other teams you know does it make them more inclined to start a game and try and play football and yeah. attack you know and and what we shouldn't also move away from is this is not going to be an excuse for Liverpool if they do not win this league or if they collapse horribly. Because, like you said, Brian, you know, the, the season, I mean, you, you could use it as, that, as that an is, excuse. That is, that is a bit short-sighted because... No, no, you could use it as an excuse, but what I'm saying is what we started speaking about was Liverpool coming into the season. They were, from last season, from the restart of the Premier League after COVID, they were not at their peak best, with or without, I mean, without their fans particularly. Yeah. So... After that, we, we saw how your preseason went. Obviously, it's preseason, no one cares, but we saw how it went. I mean, you went 2-0 down, and then you still won 7-2. Those kind of things were like, oh, okay, what's going on here? But <laughs> we didn't care about it, and then you went, you considered three at home against Leeds, okay? Against Leeds, yeah. Leeds, hey, they knew the they, they start of play is different, yes. exactly. But against Chelsea, um, <laughs> we played crap, but the red card gave you the game. And, I mean, you know, the season wasn't, perfect for you guys in the start like you didn't start off as flipping champions and how City starts when they were mm. defending their league you know yes, what I mean yes, no, so that's where I'm like 
if now you don't go on, if you go on and finish third, like I predict, you you can't really then say ah because you missed mang mang and mang mang and mang mang because unfortunately, ne, if you want to win the league, you need to be lucky with with injuries. That's true. You need to be lucky. That's and You need true. to have your best players for at least eighty percent of your games. For most league league title winning teams, they have a couple of players playing every or starting every match of the season. So that's very important. So for me, it's part of the game. That's what I want to get to. It's part of the game. Losing players through injury is part of the game. No, that we can definitely agree on, you know. But I mean, look, I'm grateful for for having Jurgen Klopp because I I would not want anyone else at the helm at this kind of like, you know, juncture in time where, you know, the media is saying so much, you know, Twitter is saying so much about, you know, the situation that it it feels like a crisis and I don't see why people are panicking because 38 games. And 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 just on that just on what I said as well on Klopp is that you guys are lucky you have him as a coach because he's someone who, who's got a team behind him who's well versed and like you said the, the, the level of a coach that he is is that he can turn a Fabinho into a credible centre back centre back no, <laughs> you definitely, know what I mean definitely. and he can you know get players not not only just tactically and, and, and technically because well, they're all footballers but they can and motivate them to say yo bro you, I need you to play centre back and you can perform at that even though it's not your position I know you're not going to be happy but you can suffer for the team almost and put it so you guys are lucky because other clubs have other managers that they don't know what they're doing and they, they got re- relegated by uh, Cardiff and it's tough even Lampard sometimes struggles just to add on what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> about Klopp <laughs> I'm sorry but I think that is what I found quite annoying about Wenger as well that I wouldn't say it's an egotistical thing but he had that thing the way he thought I don't need to improve my squad because I can turn so-and-so into this kind of player. And I think Klopp has that same thing um, with Molna, with Fabinho. Like, ah, I don't need a four center back. Fabinho can play there. But w- I'm thinking we're going to see if he can play there or <laughs> not. Because it already looked a bit difficult coming to the season. And now I don't know where the young left-back he bought from Olympiacos is. But if you've got James, Molna... Trent doing the same thing that he was doing uh, seasons before. No Virgil Gomez. I saw the his game against Iceland. He's leads. He's, he's shaky. And Matip, like, um, and it's just to a larger point of what I want to ask is moving forward now and learning this new information. Not new information, but now with Virgil's injury. Yes. What yes. are you expecting going forward in the season? Look. I'm going to speak as an optimist, you know. I am hoping that going forward, you know, yes, we did bring in Thiago to kind of like give us a, a different dimension to, to how, you know, we play. I mean, you did mention, you know, Trent, you know, Alexander, you know, I expect um, him to, you know, get back into form. You know, we, we know that, look, certain players haven't had much of a preseason. So them getting mm. their pre, you know, their, their match sharpness is, is going to take, you know, some, some time to do. But that being said... I honestly hope that Liverpool goes back to being that that team that, you know, everyone kind of fell in love with when Klopp first came, you know, when everyone was talking about, like, you know, heavy metal football, you know, that's that's what I hope because with Virgil out, you know, Gomez and Mati playing, let teams attack, you know, let them set up in such a way that allows them to come to us and, you know, let the football speak for itself, you know. Mm. Gegen Press at its best, you know, it's about taking advantage of, you know, those kind of, you know, spaces or the confidence of teams to play out from the back, 
you know, from a, a situational point of view where, you know, we're pressing the space and, you know, the man and so many different triggers. I hope we get back to that because that is what kind of like defined us as a team, not only in England, but in Europe as well, you know. So if, you know, we don't have them, then you know what, let's go back to outscoring every team. You score three, we'll score four. No worries. No worries. Yeah, and talking about scoring a lot of goals, um, let's move on to Aston Villa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they're sitting top of four, second now, one, four out of four. And looking at this weekend's games, um, we had City Arsenal. I felt it was a pretty... It was a dull affair. Yeah, and I, I you know the, th- the, the thing of... It was tactical. We call it tactical. Yeah, it but was very tactical. And the thing is, as you, I think you mentioned last week of uh, Guardiola sort of overthinking everything, and Arteta being a disciple of that. And I think it's just I don't know. I I would never disrespect any of those two coaches because I think Guardiola is one of the best coaches in the world. But it just smacks of just overthinking everything. William and the false nine. I don't know what formation City were playing. <laughs> One centre back, Walker. <laughs> I have it no was, idea. And, and, and it was amazing because like he left back was Ake. Who, uh, but then they didn't have another left back. I mean, they didn't have another centre back. But then they had Carl play centre back, Carl Walker. And then uh, Cancelo was sort of a, a right back slash centre midfield slash also sometimes centre back if Carl's up there. So, and, 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 and for on Pep's side, it worked. This time, you know, you can say over, th- over. Th- I don't know if that's, that's a term. I don't think, I think it was a dull affair because no was, one knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah, but he won. At the end of the day, uh, and, and remember, one thing also uh, that I saw, playing Sterling and Aguero up top as a two with that messed weird formation behind them, but playing them up top closer together and against Louise and, and a back three, which you know a back three will either open up or be caught, uh, uh, um, you know, two on one type of thing. So, he it worked and Sterling scored a goal and and that was it. Came over done and he had Aguero back, which was key, I think, because if Aguero didn't play that game, there was going to be Sterling running like a headless chicken again yeah. alone there. And just to did anything else catch your eye over the weekend? I mean, I can't really think of much apart from <sighs> Fulham were pretty shambolic, and that made Sheffield look even more shambolic because they missed an, a, hu- a huge amount of chances. And just a little rant about uh, Chris Wilder. I don't understand the constant faith he has in David McGoldrick, who has... I I get players, like, who give the system something where it's like, okay, he doesn't score goals like Firmino, but he does this, he works hard, he does this. But, boy, if you're not scoring goals, get me in a goal scorer right there. But that's why Brewster, that's why he got Brewster, who's at least a good goal scorer, a good finisher but maybe lacks uh, a lot of other things, especially in the Premier League football. And the thing is, as you say, something that caught your, my eye, I mean, we had the first ball draw here last night. I think if you had to make a bet, which game would end in a no no draw? West Brom, Burnley was not far off on, on people's list. I mean, it was, it was, it was a hard watch. Um, Burnley tried McNeil there. McNeil is dribbling through people, trying to, you know, he's the only one with flair in the whole field, on the <laughs> whole pitch. And he's trying something, and he's trying something. And, I mean, even Ivanovic came close. It was quite a, it was quite a, uh, opportunistic game in terms of, 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 the, of, of the chances. But they just, um, the keeper was on, on, on form. Burnley's keeper, I forgot his name, the English one. 
he was on he was on incredible form and he kept Burnley in. The Burnley had guilty edge chances at the other end as well. But it was uh, oh, it was tough, eh? And and just obviously looking outside the Premier League. Sorry, before you yeah. go outside, I just wanna because I forgot about this game actually. No, we can't talk about what game you want to talk about. Uh, Spurs. Oh, okay, no, not the Chelsea game. Like, <laughs> uh, we know Chelsea is they can't defend. That's public knowledge. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what I because I, I I caught the game kind of late. Um, it was my dad's birthday. Shout out to my dad. Shout out, shout out. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I hop on the TL and everyone's like, oh, Mourinho, second season is dangerous. <laughs> Watch out for them. And I'm like, okay. I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, maybe. Son, Kane, you know, Gareth Bale. And I'm like, okay, let me tune in because I want to see GBZ. And he gets on the field, first touch, lines up for a free kick. I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> but he misses anyway. But 82 minutes up, 3-0 up. And you, you, they snatch a draw to Moise. But that's part and parcel of football. That's why we love the beautiful game. You know, you can never count a team out. You know, yes, you know, uh, we know that Mourinho tends to be, you know, pragmatic in the way he sets up, you know, his teams. But maybe he's going to be a bit more adventurous with uh, Regulon in his team, you know, starting. You know, now he's got, you know, Ndombele who's firing on all cylinders. And he's got a, a playmaker in Kane who's getting assists left, right and centre. Exactly. You know, we've got Son who's, you know, scoring, you know, at every opportune moment. So, you know, maybe he's kind of like taken, you know, a different approach to how he, you know, wants to to see out football games you know and i think moisey moisey maybe he saw that and said look i'm going to exploit it and he did and he, and and saying that three nil up he did bring on gareth bale and lucas Moore. three nil up he brought those two Whereas players on the mourinho <laughs> of old, of old <laughs> man united mourinho would have done what shut up shop bring, shut bring up on shop, matic park the bus. <laughs> you know i love mourinho and that's the pressure from the haters outside who want him to be a manager he's not and i and that's a wider discussion on football in a pandemic where i thought managers could be more shameless in what they want to do if Mourinho wants to not pay the tottenham way in um you know i don't know what the tottenham way is anyway yeah but if he wants to be that manager who sets up shop 60 minutes in like the old good old days bring on Mikel to um <laughs> to see out a game and I think he should stick to to what he is and shouldn't be influenced by what the fans want or what the outsiders want. Because at the end of the day, when he's sitting with the trophy, they'll be happy. Granted, granted. But I mean, yes, we talk about silverware, you know, but I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a bit of... Uh, you know, uh, a naysayer in that regard. You know, I'd rather play good football and you know get a trophy at the end of the day. You know, it's it's more entertaining. It's it's better to remember. You know, when you look at a highlights reel at the end of the season, you know you can pick out more than one moment. You know, not you know these jammy one nil you know wins over you know teams that you're supposed to be winning. You know, th beating thoroughly. You know, you want to remember the moments. You know, you want to remember the you know the the, the the bedazzling football that. that you and know? and 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 this and this is typical. I mean, unfortunate for Mourinho that it happened under his watch. But this is a typical Spursy thing for them. Spurs being Spursy, Take, taking up taking a, a good lead. I mean, they did that in one of their biggest games in recent history. Two 0 up at the Bridge, 
Hazard comes on and cast other like, ten things on two two then they start wanna wanna fight. Now. <laughs> <laughs> now they wanna beat people up <laughs> even after full time. So this is a typical Spurs you think. And for them, I mean, even the own goal from Sancho uh is it Sanchez? Yeah, Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez. And uh, it was just I mean Mourinho, as Brian says, I don't think it's I wouldn't say it's the pressure because I don't think Mourinho is that weak. He's definitely not that weak mentally in terms of, of trying to stick to his ta- tactics. But mm. I think he also got a new man next to him in, in Joao, who is a bit more adventurous and a bit True. more, you know, younger, brings fresher ideas. And I think that's where maybe a bit of, of, of Mourinho and where he's developing and he's maturing as a coach. And he knows that, you know, I'm not the, the bee's knees anymore. I don't know everything. And here's a younger guy who, hey, you know, let's work together. And, and I think that's where maybe he, he, he goes a bit around. But I think at the end of the day, Mourinho will still, when it matters most, when it matters most. And at the end, what did he say at the end? This is football. Like, ah, these things happen. When it matters most and they are within a chance, I don't, I don't, I don't trust anyone else. But Mourinho yeah, but see um, speaking of the pressure, I do think that he felt the pressure because he's change his whole backroom staff not just his assistant manager mm. to and i just mean not from spurs fans but from everyone calling him washed and so and so and i felt like he was like okay i need he was to even a pundit for a second. yeah i need <laughs> to i need to you know m- show myself as this um modern coach progressive coach sorry and yeah like you had a shit time at united and um and chelsea but he still finished second with that horrible squad. Mm-hmm. And if Ed Woodward wasn't there, he could say that it would have had a different ending. So I do think that he just should stick to to what he's, what he's known. Maybe bring back Rui Farai. I'm sure he's, he actually was sacked from his, his job in Dubai or something. But, uh, but I'm, I'm like, as you started, this Tottenham side is dangerous. They front three... Or front two with uh, Bale added to that, and Dombele with the trickery at behind them. Lasalle uh, was still there. They're decent, eh? They they will sneak into that top four, I think. But I the think question is, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of pundits in the UK have kind of like started this agenda that you know maybe they're title contenders. Can we say that about them? Uh, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I can say I don't think so, but. And it's a season, like, who the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, it's been, it's, I don't see Liverpool in the league. I don't know, if I don't see, uh, let me not say I don't see Liverpool in the league, but Liverpool are not as strong. Like the benchmark, I used to think of the past two seasons, which I always used to hate about United because we always start shit. Yeah. And that just kills all the hope of winning the Premier League because you've got t- some of the two best teams ever. So you know it's you shouldn't lose games. Liverpool, what? How many games did they lose before the season before? Uh, look, look, we we definitely went a long time without you know losing a game, you know. But we also need to look at the bigger picture here, you know. I think when you take away fans from grounds, you know, you don't really have a home, you know, or in a way advantage, you know. It's just about who turns up better on on the day, you know. So, look, yeah, like you said, it's a weird season to have, you know. Yeah. It's up for grabs, but I think. The teams with the better squad depth, you know, the better facilities, the better, you know, personnel in terms of coaches, you know, will have that consistency over the course of the season. I will say this now. I don't see Aston Villa finishing in the top seven. As Same. Top. I mean, and this is what Liverpool fans do. Uh, no one will know him, but my friend Mohale, he... <laughs> 
you know, he, he makes Liverpool, they are the benchmark, but he's like, just because Villa beat Liverpool, now all of a sudden they're title contenders, which I think is, you could Leicester, who started so well last season, but the, Villa are never going to finish in the top four, I don't think, let alone the top six. Um, yes, everything looks good. Jack is always going to be a great player. Ollie Watkins, it's still his first season in the Premier League. Ross Barkley, we'll come back to what he's what we know him for. Um, he's back in spite at Everton and his whole career at Chelsea. <laughs> so um, I think they will fall off. But I want to move away from that and quickly pivot to Lita here because we spoke about this last week and we just want to run through it quickly. Um, you are the sports PR media guy. And TTM are continuing with their antics, weird antics. And they had that statement that was released about apologizing for the unavailability of some of their players in poor um, explanation. And there were obviously a number of uh, grammar Other areas. Deaths, yeah. And I was thought weird that you have a whole professional football club with a Gmail account. Just quickly, just run me through how that can can happen. I, 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 it, it shouldn't happen. That start off there, it should not happen. First of all, this is a club that bought this, this their stake in the PSL. So you would think, you know, there's some backing financially. They bought, um, you know, Bitvisvits. Uh, stake in the PSL which they've been there for 99 years and you would think at least you know they would have come better prepared for the Premier League because they are not prepared across the board like I'm talking from the marketing department to football side because on, on, on Saturday in their um, first game of the season officially as PSL as a PSL side they, they at least they, they, they came back in a 3-2 defeat against um, against Supersport but they had three players on the bench three fit players on the bench and the, the rest of the squad were either not registered in time or they're unavailable because of injury or for one player that was not even signed to the club but the club announced him as a new signing so it's just been a mess dude and i mean the keeper was wearing uh bitvis with socks <laughs> <laughs> i am not joking i was wearing kappa socks and the club is sponsored by adidas but then i also heard that adidas is not even actually a sponsor they just got adidas kit so <laughs> so that club as as a whole i don't know what's going on i mean they keep issuing statements of, upon statement upon statement and then they also issue statements with horrible english mm. if you're gonna if, you, if you're gonna be a, a club from venda and you struggle with english produce the, the statement in, in venda and then let us or let the media work hard then and try and translate it don't produce some amateur not even a grade eight would write english like that guys i mean that was you're trying to use big words that you don't even understand and then you're using them wrong and you, you, like, you're spelling them wrong as well. Like, I, it's, 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 it's not good. It's not a good look. And obviously, we've spoken about this last year and you don't want to keep, you know, beating a dead seal, but they keep coming with something new every week. Mm. And it's just, do you think it's a bit more of a smack in the face that they bought such an established club status and this is what we're getting from that? I mean, I don't know how this is allowed in South Africa but it just shows where the, the priorities are within our football structure it's money and they put up the money Vits, uh, Bitvist as, as a company were not interested in more in, in, in investing in, in the football club so they were ready for a buyer so they got a buyer and that was it for me there's clearly no fit and proper 
test that they have a PSO, or if there is one, it's 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 shocking standards. And they just like for me, they at least should have the PSL should be getting a plan from the club or each club. They should be at least saying to the PSL, listen, well, here's what we're gonna do, and that comes from from marketing, finances, everything. At least they're supposed to produce something that hey, we're gonna do this and do this well. And for me, the the the, the hurtful part is that this was a club that was doing well in the second division. So how you know obviously they did they did well on the field despite all the crap that's going on off the field mm. and that's just yeah and i think some elements of the proposed big picture plan in europe could definitely be used here in south africa because i i think of the the proposal of having the pre-existing clubs have a vetoing mm. or an inspection of you know new clubs coming in and that could be something uh, to look at i mean if you want to uh, allow clubs to buy their way into the league. Let people, let other clubs look at them and say, mm, "Are you going to improve the the, the, standard. the yeah the standard, yes, or yes. are you going to drag the whole league down?" But I mean, it also goes to to a bigger, you know, underlying problem. I think, and that is, you know, the governing bodies, you know, of respective, you know, federations and countries and and regions to a larger extent. You know, I mean, you look at the, you know, I wouldn't call it a deep but an embarrassment when it came to Bafana Bafana, you know? And, you know, also to a, a greater degree, you know, the the mix-up with, you know, sponsors, like Cox Sportive, but we're still wearing, you know, uh, a previous sponsors. <laughs> uh, exactly, you know? So I think it, it, it just starts at, at the top, you know? If your governing, you know, body or federation can't even get it, its ducks in a row, you know, how do you expect, you know, for it to filter down to... a by and large, a greater extent, the PSL and to the teams, you know? If, if they are saying to, to footballers and to a large extent, the industry in South Africa when it comes to football, that all we want is money, you know? There's always going to be complacency, you know? Taking for granted, you know, that status that comes with being in the premier, premiership, you know? I mean, we have a season, we have for a reason, we have promotion for a reason, we have relegation for a reason, so that when you actually deserve to be there, you know, you've kind of like put in checks and balances in place, structures in place that allow your team to flourish with this influx of money, first of all, and status that comes with TV rights as well. Exactly. And it's just a slap in the face of how to do things in football. Like... I, and it, I mean, Cape Town City did it, but at least Cape Town City came with a plan and they like killed it in, in, in most of the things they did on the field as well with the yeah. cup early on yeah. under, under Benny. But and then TTM come, you expect the same, you, you sort of get excited. Oh, here's a new club with new ideas. They're going to come with social media. They're going to they're going to come banging. But I mean, I was like, yeah, they come with this. Like everything is just very amateurish. It's still second division and worse. And that's the problem. No, but I mean, like, I think to say it's still second division is actually a slap in the face to other teams that are there as well because it's just unprofessional, you know? I mean, if you're going to, you know, your front office, you know, should speak to your organization. If you can't even, I mean, even Microsoft Word has spell check. It even tells you that your sentence construction does not make sense, you know? So I just think, you know what, it just, it just speaks of unprofessionalism and, you know, laziness from TMM. Like, I don't think it's anything to do with second division. 
but it's just you know what that blase you know laissez fair kind of like attitude we're here we have arrived we've got the money nothing else matters um yeah i'm just sort of reading now on some news from coming out of cobham and i wasn't following it obviously because we're we're recording but i'm hearing that Ch- uh, peter check is on chelsea's premier league squad list and it's not a mistake um what <laughs> what uh, sorry we do, we do not we do not address fake news what's going on where did you get that from um i mean the squad the, the plsl squad list the PSL, the PL squad list has been out for a bit though isn't it so like why no, is it i don't think it is because no, i mean did. there was we we, we, are, we they announced the squad the 25 minutes squad a while back a couple of weeks ago no there was still a, a question of whether oz was going to be no not a couple of weeks ago last week because of the the end of the or oh no, this monday yeah well anyways but no brian that is impossible he's obviously a t- he's got a role already at the club as a technical director so now no i mean come on Come on, let's not address fake news here. <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff happened in in, in, <laughs> in the in the La Liga though. I mean, Real Madrid losing, Barcelona losing. I I mean, I think the the chaos of of COVID and 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 quarantine is messing up the normal trends of football, guys. What do you think? Um, I think just to quickly, Real Madrid did not sign a player. Um. Their what their major signing from two seasons ago has played. I don't know. I don't think more than twenty games, maybe. I mean, can we really call him a major signing, though? Exactly. Um, that's a pretty, but that's a deeper conversation on <laughs> how Hazard <laughs> finessed his way into Real Madrid. But you know, um, I'm not completely surprised. I think that La Liga has been a bit of on the wane in recent years. But I think Kuman losing to get. Getafe was a weird one because I thought he started well I mean I think he won all his games and then he drew to Sevilla um, he's got his whole he's doing things his way but I'll just ask you um, Beeps, um working in a job where you know if this guy loses presidency you are gone like the guys from the outside are saying listen if we win we are sacking Kuman first thing do you think that how much pressure do you think you're on to basically maybe because I feel like a bottom out is going to lose but he's basically you know trying so hard to impress um, the next president that he is the right man to lead Barcelona look one thing you know you can I mean it's, it's very easy to talk from the outside looking in you know but if you take a look at who Ronald Koeman is as a a manager a coach you know you you will understand that look he is as much as he is ambitious he is a consummate you know professional you know so even with that pressure you know of there being a change in president at barcelona i don't think that will affect the way he approaches football you know for him going into the season with barcelona he always knew that look it is going to be a two three year you know job you know you are you have an aging squad you know i mean they 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 sent 
uh, quite a few, you know, players packing like Vidal, you know, back to Inter. Um, Suarez. Suarez as well to Atletico Madrid and uh, Rakitic to, to Sevilla, yeah, yeah. you know. So, I mean, and if, when you look at the ages of all those players, I mean, in their, what, 30s. So to expect now Ronald Koeman to just come in and now transform this, you know, already kind of like, I wouldn't call it a sinking ship, but this, you know, storm in a teacup kind of like environment and setting at Barcelona. It's, it was never going to be easy, but all things being equal, I think they must have given him some reassurances. I mean, it's always easy to speculate. That's how the media, you know, gets their, their clicks, but there must have been some sort of, you know, reassurance that, mm. look, even if, you know, there is a change at the helm at Barcelona, we will still want to see your results. Yeah. We'll still give you time. Unfortunately, that might not be, it might be out of his hands if when the new owners, um, when the new president takes over. But anyway, for me, I don't think that is, 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 is Barcelona's biggest why. We are counting down the months now in, with Messi at Barcelona. And... I will be shocked unless they fire Kuman and, and Xavi comes in on and, and convinces Bernard to stay on. I'll be shocked if he stays on after uh, the season. So that's the biggest worry, I think. Obviously, they're already starting to sort of replace. I mean, Ansu Fati is uh, it looks like someone who'll be easily uh, f- uh, will walk into his shoes. But the Messi not being there next year, they, that's another huge loss, and that's another sort of project restart for whoever the manager is again that time because they have to play without Messi. Even Griezmann missed a sitter this this weekend against uh, Getafe and they lost. Missed a horrible sitter. And I'm thinking to myself, brah, you just complain <laughs> about being played another position but when you're in front of the goal, one and one of the keeper, he misses. But that's besides the point. They'll have to rebuild it again a little bit. They have to get some either someone as influential playing in some... because he doesn't just play left wing anymore. He's more central now. So... He, you know, that's another restart. But for me, I think it's still obvious in, in La Liga, it'll still be between Madrid and and And, and, and Barcelona, Barca. yeah. Seville's yeah. good, Atletic is good, but, you know, it's here and there. But those two, I mean, you really can't look past them. And as, even though Madrid didn't sign anyone, they brought back a couple of players. They've got yeah. um, Odegaard back and Benzema still there. He hit the post this weekend, unlucky not to score. Ramos is still there. He's still starting games. So I mean, it is going to be quite. It's going to be quite interesting. The role is going to play quite an impact though, because Look, players I mean, are going to be out for matches. <laughs> Look, I mean, we 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 just you know enjoy you know the football, but we we sometimes you know tend to forget that it's also like very political in nature. You know, so for someone like Messi who's given so much to to the club you know to Barcelona you know to the fans you know is he you know is he the embodiment of the club is he bigger than the club I mean the club existed way before him with many a legend you know but yes for them to restart and find another one you know another player of his ilk and and standard it's going to be difficult you know we can't put that pressure on Ansu Fatu already because I mean he still man still needs to do his homework you know man still needs to you know get to bed on time you know he's still he's still a young player at heart you know so look it's just a mess how it's going to unfold in the coming months to come especially nearing his you know end of his contract I think it's going to be interesting I know there was a lot of speculation when he didn't want to come back to training didn't want to sign didn't want to do this wanted to challenge his claws in you know at the uh, at Cass, you know, but it happens, and it's going to be a joy to watch from the outside.
Uh, yeah, um, but I just want to leave it actually with you because both our clubs are playing tonight, me and Lita. Um, Chelsea and Sevilla United versus PSG, sorry. Um, just give us your predictions, your thoughts on both the games and um, yeah, we're going to let you finish off because I know we're probably going to disagree with what you're going to say. <laughs> look, I did say to you that, look, uh, with COVID, you know, making the playing field this equal, you know, um, it doesn't matter if, you know, you're playing home or away, you know. I mean, Europe is small enough, so a, a, a trip to, on a plane to, to, uh, to France isn't going to make a difference for Man United. But um, we can say, look, if we had to look at PSG's past results, you know, they have kind of struggled in Ligue, Ligue 1. And um, look, they're there for the taking, I think. I just think Ole needs to be less naive, set up in such a way that allows the best out of his players. And look, we have seen that he likes to play a counter-attacking game, you know, but he's going to have to, you know, set up a midfield that has the legs, you know, and the smarts to kind of like block passing lanes and pick the right you know passes when the opportunities present themselves and also for for Rashford to to kind of like if he is he, if he is starting you know if he is in the squad let's see Marshall and Rashford up top look after seeing this the starting lineup I'm gonna disappoint a lot of people that also support Liverpool but I actually see Man United getting away with the result today um what? Look, I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet today, I would go with a double chance on United to, to sneak a win or a draw out of this one. With McTominay and Fred? Yes, with okay. McTominay and Fred. Okay, let me tell you about PSG also. Just a quick one. Ne uh, Neymar Di Maria rested nicely this weekend. They are fresh and ready for to tear those guys a new one. So, and Bape, not to mention Bape is there. So, anyway, I don't think that's going to happen. But, Brian... This is a very important night for you as well. I mean, you have a PSG supporting a significant other and you are oui, united. Oui. What is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? And what do you want to happen? Uh, yeah, man. I'm trying to wrap this part up real quick so I can go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, when the draw was announced, we were pretty excited. Like, oh my God, how we didn't think this was possible. But... Knowing both of us, um, I don't think it's going to end well because I am quite an. Um, I like to antagonize people when the teams lose, and she gets very emotional when a team loses. So I I don't know if we do manage to sneak a result. I don't know if I'll be able to hold uh, hold it in, but I'll try and be as respectful as I as respectful as I can. But. You know, as we were talking about the the team, the lineup, I think I, I'm I'm on OG's side. I think we can get something get something out of that. Um, we've got pace up front, pace at the back, Twanzibe, uh, and, and Luke Shaw. <laughs> so, hey, no, Brian, don't make me regret <laughs> to, you know my my decision here. No, we'll look, see. I was trying to be pragmatic, and I did say it depended on how naive. Uh, Ole was, you know, going into this match. But Lita, I haven't forgotten about you, by the way. Chelsea versus Sevilla. Uh, look, they've just come, you know, on the back of winning the Europa League. And, uh, you know, Frank Lampard has, you know, kind of shown himself to be quite immature when it comes to setting up teams, you know. 
um don't take it personally you know we're all we're all friends here but uh i see sevilla getting a draw out of this one with uh, chelsea at the bridge okay i i, I don't agree with that obviously um because the great Mendy's back in goal, no Kepa, so I think it's definitely a W for Chelsea. We shall see though, but it's definitely okay. a W. I mean, if we lose, if we draw or lose, it's quite respectable. I mean, we're losing to Europa League champions. Okay, delusion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, OG, it's been great having you. Thank you for coming through, joining the link up. It's been a pleasure. Um, it's really fascinating journey you've been on. I think. Um, a lot of different stuff you've been you've been doing but yeah man it's been great thank you for coming no thank you thank you for having me um you have my number you know where i live um let's make it a party next time but yeah thank you again for having me and uh i really enjoyed it thanks Check one two one two. Uh. I'm from the place where hardcore. This is the link up. This is the link up. This is the link up. Views from the staff to the world that we back. This is the link up. This is the link up. This is the link up. From the staff to the world that we back Ladies and gentlemen, grab a drink, let's get settled in Here's another dose of some audio medicine Fresh sports reports, pure adrenaline We do it for the love of the game, not the Benjamins My check one, two, one, two Yo The link up From the place where hardcore is beautiful.